Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. to another episode of Hound Tech Hall. Good evening, Mr. Hound Tech. How are you, sir? Good evening, Aaron. Great to be back on with another great episode of the Hall. And uh, we are proud to have with us again this evening uh, none other than the incomparable Lester Wolfram from Windy City, Gridiron. Lester, good evening. What's up, guys? How are you guys doing tonight? Doing well. Doing good. Nice. COVID, we were we were, we thought we were just about over with it, but all of a sudden it's uh, it's biting back hard down in uh, Florida and California and Texas, and God only knows what's going to happen. But uh, you know, I know that uh, baseball has announced that they're going to start their season here at the end of this month, and uh, fans are not going to be allowed in the stands. But a couple of of teams have uh, decided they're going <clears> to <throat> allow people to send in pictures uh, and they're going to make cutouts of these fans and put them in the stands. Uh, I've heard of two so far. That's Oakland and Milwaukee. And the nice part about the, uh, the Oakland uh, gig is if a foul ball goes into the stands and hits your picture, uh, they're going to grab the ball and, and mail it to you. So wow. that that's kind of interesting. Um, I haven't heard of any other teams doing that yet, and I haven't heard of any NFL teams doing it. In fact, we don't even know if there's going to be fans, if there if there are going to be fans, how, how what the capacity is going to be for for seats. Uh, so I guess we'll start with that, Lester. Have you heard anything? You know, just the latest today came out where they actually canceled a couple preseason games. Um, the, the official word should come out tomorrow, but you know, it's reported by, I think it was pro football talk uh, weeks one and weeks four of the preseason are canceled. Um, and then of course the thing from last week with the, uh, you know, they're going to, they're going to block out the first few rows of seats and sell some ad space there to generate some revenue. So, I mean, as far as we know, camp's still going to get started when it's supposed to start here at the end of July. But honestly, there's so much time between now and then who knows what's going to happen. You're absolutely right. You know, we were, we're only, believe it or not, we're only 11 and a half weeks removed from Easter Sunday where, uh, for lack of better terms, shit really started to hit the fan around Easter in terms of uh, COVID and shutting down states and, and everything else. And we're, we're 71 days. As we, uh, as we record right now, we're, we're 10 weeks away from the opening night game that's scheduled to happen in Kansas City. And there, there's so much still in doubt. Uh, I do know from, uh, from reading around and, and from, uh, from tick splits that um, the, the Bears, for example, sent a letter to their uh, season ticket holders saying, uh, if you want, we'll refund your entire purchase of the season tickets for this year. Hold your place. You you don't get penalized, and your your tickets will be waiting for you to renew next year. Uh, in Seattle, they've sent a letter to uh, their season ticket base saying uh, you can opt for two tickets for four home games or one ticket for uh, every home game. So they're already planning on having about a 50% capacity. In Seattle, uh, I haven't heard of any other teams' plans so far uh, in the NFL. But 
just like everything else, it's a wait and see attitude and things tend to change, if not weekly, almost daily. Yeah, it's such a fluid situation right now. I mean, I don't, like Lester said, I, I don't think you can really predict what will happen. And the one thing that uh, I would say the NFL has been most consistent about is they're determined to continue, um, you know, with a schedule. And if they have to make changes, they'll make changes as needed. Um, I heard today on uh, ESPN radio, they were interviewing Kevin Harvick, who's, um, you know, Harlan, um, who's a uh, announcer, does basketball, does football. Um, and they were talking to him about, you know, basically kind of saying, like, what do you think? Do you think this is going to happen? And and he sort of said, you know, that he, he feels like it's going to, but, you know, he wouldn't be surprised if there's going to be alterations. And he even thought of, you know, the idea of, you know, a truncated season with maybe the teams only playing the division games and then going straight to a playoff. I mean, I just think it's going to be really day to day. Um, and when you've heard people talk to, you know, whether it's baseball or, um, you know, NBA, nobody really knows. I mean, that's the thing about this. Nobody really knows what's going to happen. Um, nobody really knows what a lot of these numbers and things mean completely. I mean, it's been so politicized. Uh, obviously, you know, we, we all want to be as careful as possible in hopes that, you know, it can mean that we get back to normal sooner. And I'm sure nobody's advocating for recklessness. But at the same time, I think um, at least I'm trying to, to convince myself that when you hear these spikes and things that just to not completely despair because it feels, you know, even though in Illinois and Wisconsin, things have been pretty good that, you know, maybe it's only a matter of time before, you know, we end up backsliding too. Uh, you know, and in Wisconsin, it's never really been that bad for whatever reason. So um, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's really uncharted territory. You know, I was listening again to ESPN there, you know, it kept kind of saying like, this is, remember, this is, this is the first time around on this particular virus and everything is different. Um, and, you know, you see the premier league seems to be doing pretty well so far. Um, so that's encouraging. Uh, they did change in the PGA uh, with, with caddies that, you know, it used to be that if they tested positive, they were out for a couple of weeks, but now they can, if they, you know, test, if they ne have a negative test two times within a certain period of time. So, you know, and they're not symptomatic. So I think things are just going to continue to have to, to, to unfold and, and we'll see how it goes and we'll just roll with the punches um, as we, as we get them. It's the only way we can do it. Lester, it's um, it, it, this this announcement that came out earlier today. Um, I've been looking at this and, and looking at NFL.com, and and I've been watching NFL Network, and and Mike Garofolo, um was on earlier today when when this news broke, uh, and it's been it's been rumored for a few days now about this. Uh, cutting the preseason in half, uh, but it hasn't been endorsed yet by the uh, the NFL Players Association. In fact, uh, as recently as as this evening uh, on NFL.com, they're they're saying that um, the players are going to vote on it tomorrow, or at least there's going to be a conference call about it tomorrow. And there there is growing talk that. Uh, the Players Association uh, are actually thinking that they don't want to play any preseason games. Have you heard anything about that? Yeah, you know, I kind of heard the same thing. That no, that would not surprise me at all. I mean, I mean, the players only like preseason. I mean, the fans don't like preseason. No, no one likes preseason. I mean, from a coaching standpoint, I understand why why they value it, why they see it's important. That helps them, you know, prep for game day, even if they're not doing anything, you know, specifically towards how they would do it, like in a game the act of getting ready for a game, the act of preparing for a game, you know, that's valuable to those younger players. So, so the coaching staff, you know, they kind of understand the importance of that. But at the end of the day, I mean, if you don't have preseason, 
you know, it's, it's still football. You know, you, you, you're still going to get your team out there. You're still going to get ready to play football. You're still going to go out there and play and, and run week one. So if it's canceled altogether, I think that's that's the, the, something the players may want to do. But, again, when, when you talk about the coaches, they value it. And, of course, the owners, you know, they, they value it because, of course, it's, a, it's another income check uh, for, for their check when the guys all come into the stadium. Yeah, absolutely. Aaron? Yeah, I mean, I think exactly what Lester said. You know, the owners obviously want the preseason, but why do they want it? They want it for fans. So you're not going to have any fans. Um, I do think preseason games would probably be pretty highly rated this season because we're so starved uh, for anything. And then they do okay ratings-wise normally, but it's mostly about the fans that come to the games for the owners' sake. Um so, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, you, you, you've seen the, the way the major league baseball labor negotiation has gone. And so it wouldn't surprise me at all to see the NFL players say, you know, especially as we see this go forward, if, if baseball starts playing and you have a bunch of people, you know, uh, stop. I mean, Buster only said that he thinks there's a 5% chance that the, that baseball ever starts and there's a 0% chance that they finish the season. And he admitted he was being pretty negative about it, but that's his educated opinion on what what he's been hearing. So if if you see the other sports start having players pull out, um, then and then certainly football is going to be like, hold on. Uh, but it's funny because you know for, for whatever reason we're we're always less precious about our football players than any other um, you know instance you know it's a, we don't seem to care as much about uh if they're injured or if, if they have surgeries or if they're doing steroids or if anything like that it's just you know football's a gladiator game so we sort of have this different mentality about it so it'll certainly be interesting to see what happens but i will not be surprised at all um if if players use this as an opportunity to 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 consider their safety and then ultimately I mean, you know, I think most players w- would rather do away with the preseason entirely. It's it's going to be interesting, you know, and another thing we have to look at is roster size. When you look at, you know, what Major League Baseball has done, they've they have a pool of I've, I was it 60 players that they can draw from. Uh, they're going to start the season with um, was it 28 or 30 players? on the roster for two weeks and then they'll cut it down to, to uh, 28 after two weeks. And then after four weeks down to 26, where it'll stay for the rest of the season. Um, there's, I believe there's no minimum stay on the disabled list. Uh, I think it's, or they cut it to um, the, to a 10 day. Um, so they have been flexible. Uh, the only thing that we heard going into this year, because of the, the new CBA, they expanded the roster of the practice squad from from 10 to 12, and there was talks as as recent as well going back almost two or three weeks, Lester, that they were thinking that uh, they'd had they'd expand it to 16, but I haven't heard anything after that nor have I heard anything about roster sizes at the beginning of the year. Is there anything that you have heard down at the gridiron uh, to shed some light on, on roster sizes? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing official out there, but just, you know, just uh, just for me, the, the hunch I have is that they're going to expand roster sizes quite a bit. You know, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see the practice squad really uh, increased. You know, there may not even be a cut down this year. They may roll with 90 guys all through the, the whole season just because, you know, if, if you get a few guys quarantined and then you have to have the guys that are in contact with them quarantined, I mean, that really can affect what you have going on there as far as the roster size. So, I mean, it's, it's 50. Is a normal 55-man roster uh, going to be enough this year? Is a 12-man practice going to be enough this year? Probably not. So, you know, don't be surprised they increase it quite a bit. That kind of goes back to what we were talking about for the preseason games, and you know, the NBA is uh, um, going to have the, they're going to finish their season in basically a bubble. <clears throat> it just uh, down in Florida, I believe they're only going to be playing at three arenas. Um, hockey is somewhat 
in a bubble. They're only going to be playing in a couple of arenas. Um, the NFL doesn't have that. They're, they're, they're planning on going into the season with a full tilt at all of the different venues. And the line of thinking that I'm hearing is in order, if the reason they want to cancel all of the preseason games is why risk? You have 32 basic individual bubbles out there uh, through, <clears throat> throughout the countryside. And why mix those bubbles before the regular season, putting uh, other teams at risk? If, if a team from San Francisco comes to Chicago and just one of their players uh, tests positive, uh, well, he's now been in, on the same plane with all the other players. Uh, they will get into the stadium, even if he's asymptomatic, and now he plays against the Bears, and now several several players in fact, maybe all of them, because they're in such close proximity on the sideline, uh, now either become infected, even if they're asymptomatic, and you could lose an entire team that way. So it's, it's who knows? It just, they're going to have to be constantly testing these players uh, almost every day, at least uh, when they report to their training facilities. They're going to have to ask them questionnaires. Are you feeling okay? Do you have a scratchy throat? Have you had trouble breathing? Uh, they're going to take. They have to take their temperatures every time they walk in and out of the facility. Uh, and they 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 can't be overcautious. There's no such thing as over overconscious uh, cautious in in this environment. So it's it's just going to be interesting to see. You know, we're what we're three. We're four weeks away from camps opening, three and a half weeks away from camps opening. And, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a, a trial by fire, I think, Lester. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something they have to monitor. I mean, I mean, like, ever since this whole thing started, I've been working from home, you know, but but I've been in contact with with with, with management with my, at, my, at my normal job and, and, and the, the building I work at downtown Chicago, you know, whenever you go into the building, there's a, there's a check in place now. You know, I haven't had to go down there yet, but I talked to my boss and a few other people that have had to go down to, to, to Chicago. And every time they, they go to the building, they check in, they have to they go through the questionnaire, you know, they have to wear a mask, you know, it's it's uh, 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 social distancing distancing at all times. So, I mean, and that's just for a, a, an office building. So, I mean, you get, you know, 90 football players in a room, you know, on, on, a, on, a, on a field, you know, who knows what they're gonna have to go through. Well, I think, too, the thing about the bubble is what the NBA is doing, they wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't a playoff situation, um, you know, so because it is in some ways, even though the bubble serves its purpose, it also it, it risks to some degree the whole thing all at once, you know, um, whereas if you let's say you have a regular season game and all of a sudden a team becomes stricken, well, in I mean, it wouldn't be ideal, but you could possibly maybe reschedule that game or altogether, you know, perhaps cancel it if need be, if it was a regular season thing. Obviously, in the NFL, that's a lot more difficult. But, um, you know, I think that's going to be one of the kind of scary things about the NBA is, you know, you get infection in the bubble and, it, you know, it could go around real quick to everybody. I mean, they, I think they're, you know, they've got whatever, 300 some players and they tested and they only had, you know, a pretty small percentage. Um, but they were talking today, uh, you know, Tommy Hadovy, the the Cubs uh, pitching coach came out and said that he had it. He's 38 years old and he had a really bad time with it, you know. Um, and then you hear some people, they have it and it's just, it just, it comes and goes. It's not a big deal. Um, you know, and Steve Ciszek was talking about being tested and, you know, they had a finger prick test and, a, and uh, for the antibodies and the, all the Cubs did. And then they had a um, some sort of a saliva test. Uh, and he, he didn't mention the nose swab, which was kind of interesting. I don't know if he just submitted it or if they have a different test now, because um, I've heard people say that the nose swab is pretty uncomfortable. Uh, but he was saying it was kind of difficult to you know, to get all the saliva that they wanted um, for this test. Um, so 
I just feel like you know, there's, there's, it's such a moving target. There's new developments every day. I mean, they're talking about, you know, being close to to testing vaccines. Uh, different, you know, companies have come come out with already, and um, you know, so we just kind of have to. You know, hope and pray and whatever you do, um, you know, for for all of our sake. And obviously, you know, sports is is what we're here to talk about. And maybe it's trivial, but um, you know, I think it's a it's emblematic of of the rest of society. So if we can, you know, if we can manage to do this, then we can figure out a lot of other things. I think as a result. Absolutely. Um, speaking of getting back to to sports, Lester, uh, you know. The, the folks at Windy City Grand Iron have been great friends of, of our show, and uh, and we really appreciate it. So we want to take a little little step back here and give you time to tell us what's going on at Windy City Grand Iron because there's so much to talk about. Um, you know, you've got um, you've got Jeff's um, uh, Hallis to Mac series going on, his championship belt series that's still uh, unfinished. Uh, Jack uh, put out a uh, um, why Walter Payton is the goat, uh, and of course your your articles and podcasts. So give us uh, give us some ideas of what's happening at the Gridiron. Yeah, right now I mean it's it's the off season, and, and so normally this is kind of the downtime for the NFL. I mean, uh, you know we're, we're we're a month out of camp, so this is normally a downtime anyway. And then you throw on what's going on in, with 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 the COVID now, it really breaks things down. But you know, but we're always still cranking stuff out. You mentioned this up with Jeff. We have the great podcast, the great stuff on on on, on the, the, the 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 history of of the Bears. Um, you know, right now we have a uh, in the middle of for SB Nation, we're in the middle of rivalry week. The next two weeks, so we got some stuff coming out about the Bears and Packers rivalry, you know, some some other stuff with some other teams the Bears are, are, are rivals with, and then uh, we have another roundtable coming up with the uh, with, with with the guys at, at the site. Um, it's more of a training camp based stuff, kind of going over you know guys we're we're looking forward to seeing guys that that should kind of kind of be a a big, a big surprise at camp. It's kind of like a prediction thing coming up. So, like I said, it, it may be a slow time for the Bears and for NFL, but. We're always turning out something at the site. We could talk for hours about Bears-Packers rivalry, and uh, I, it's, uh, I, I can't wait for that to come out. Uh, it's it, They're so tied. You know, Hallis and Lambeau were, were, were good friends as well as competitors, and you know, the, the Green Bay Packers history would be so much different if Hallis hadn't stepped forward and did what he did to help that franchise along. In fact, uh, you know, in the 30s, he lent money uh, to the to the Packers to make payroll twice. In the 50s, George Hallis went to the City Council of Green Bay on the behalf of on behalf of Green Bay and the league uh, because uh, the, the Packers weren't getting anywhere uh, trying to get a new stadium built and the uh, the city of Milwaukee was in the process of building County Stadium because they had lured uh, the Boston Braves to, to come play baseball that ultimately became the, the Milwaukee Braves. Uh, and last but not least, George Hallis went to Green Bay and said, there's this, this offensive coach for the New York Giants that you really need to take a look at as your new head coach. And uh, so they brought him in for an interview, and Vince Lombardi was that guy, and that changed the course of history and flipped the uh, entire scenario on Bears-Packers rivalries because that was, uh, you know, the 60s, uh, Lombardi's Packers just absolutely dominated the Bears, and in fact, the entire league. They won five of their 13 championships in the 60s under Vince Lombardi, and uh, of course, if you live in Wisconsin like like Lester and I do, uh, we never we never stop hearing it from these Packer fans. So uh, 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 yeah, I, I wish I could be a fly on the wall when when that uh, when that series gets recorded. Yeah, I mean it should, it should be fun. I mean, uh, like I said, we got a lot of cool stuff coming up, and you know the the, the thing with the Packers Bears rivalry, I mean. 
it has been very one-sided uh, from from the 90s on to today. That's obviously the Brett Favre and and and, and uh, Aaron Rodgers era, you know. But but pre that, I mean, the Bears dominated every decade except to mention the 60s. So from the from the dawn of, of of football through the 80s, it was pretty much all Bears. And then of course, you know, the last you know quarter century of of Hall of Fame quarterbacks kind of had, had the Packers back on top, but. But it, it's still the top rivalry in the game. Um, with with uh, SB Nation, they have a thing called uh, SB Nation Reacts. It's kind of like their thing where they have a, a poll, you know, of, of fan bases, you know, not just Bears, Packers, but all 32 fan bases. And the the overwhelming, you know, vote was Bears and Packers still the, the top rivalry in the NFL. It might be the top rivalry in all of sports. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the league uh, does listen to teams uh, and they try to uh, honor their requests for um, for some games to be played. Um, so I'll give you an example. When when Green Bay opened up what is now Lambeau Field, you know, who the first team that, that played in the regular season, I guess, was. The Bears. I'm guessing, yeah, the Bears, yeah. You know, the last game the Bears ever played in Wrigley Field. Who did they play? The Packers. Uh, I was actually, I was actually a, a young lad of 13. I was at that game. The, pa- oh, the Packers, uh, Packers got beat 35 to 17. <laughs> when the Bears refurbished Soldier Field and they went down to, they played in in Champaign. Uh, for the the 2002 year, and they they asked the league to delay their first home game because they wanted to make sure that that the, the uh, uh, field would be ready. So I believe they played their first three uh, regular season games on the road, and of course, who did they play to open up Soldier Field again? None other than the the Green Bay Packers. So there's so much history between. Uh, between these two teams, um, you know, one of my favorite years between the Bears and Packers, um, I don't know if either one of you were born, but it was 1980. Uh, the Bears opened the season in Green Bay. It was 6-6 uh, six to six going into overtime, and the, and the, the Green Bay Packers uh, lined up to kick a, an overtime field goal, got blocked, but unfortunately it fell right back into the arms of their kicker, Chester Markle, who ran around left end and, and, and got it in the end zone to uh, for the, the winning score and a 12 to six victory. But the Bears certainly got their revenge in the game against uh, Green Bay in Chicago in December of that year, when the largest, the most lopsided score in the rivalry, uh, the Bears defeated Green Bay 61 to seven in that game. And I was happy enough to, to be able to say, I was at that game too, so um, it's just it's the, the Bears-Packers rivalry. There's just nothing like it. Absolutely. Yeah, I would be just fine if they never opened up another season against the Bears, though. That <laughs> that works out for me. I, I just it's just too much. Like I, I feel like if they win, the expectations are just too high, and if they lose, it's like the whole damn season's over. Like I mean, you know, there's a reason they don't start Ohio State, Michigan seasons like that. You know, like it's just it's just too much. Uh, I mean, I still, you know, look back on the, the the game where we won the division in 2018 ha- happily, but then those memories are eroded very quickly when I think about the season opener of last season and what a, I mean, you know, it, essentially it still kind of felt like the season ended that after that game. Like it just, it, all of our, the dreams of, what the offense was going to be just seemed totally dashed after one game. <laughs> and I was just like, man, it had to be the damn Packers too. So hopefully we, we opening against the Detroit lions um, will work out better for everybody this season. We can, we can only hope Lester, you know, I know, I don't know if you were on our show when we've talked about it, we have talked about it several times uh, the, the league did a great job with the schedule 
um, this year. Uh, literally, you can start the season in week five, only lose two games in the schedule and still have a, not only a 14-game schedule, but not one missed division game, which uh, I thought was, uh, they, they did a great job. You, what, can, can you elaborate on that? Oh, yeah, I remember we talked about it before. It's just, uh, you know, the NFL had to be, be ready. I mean, they were smart with what was going on, and, you know, they kind of had the foresight to, to see what, what they had to do just in case. And, uh, you know, the way it looks now, like I said, everything's set to play. But like you said, if, if there is an, an issue or they got to make a few cancellations, you know, they should still be able to get a nice uh, chunk of the season in and, and give everyone, the, the well, you know, what's, that's, that's what we want to see. We want to see sports, we want to see football, you know, but but – at the end of the day, they got to make sure everything's uh, safe and healthy first. You know, people were watching Korean baseball on ESPN. So uh, that, that tells you how starved people are for, for sports. But for, uh, for our new listeners to the Halitech Hall show uh, and those who might have missed the episode, we talked about it. The, the season schedule begins uh, September 10th with the, the, the traditional game uh, where uh, Kansas City, the Super Bowl winner, hosts the, the game. Um, and there are, there are several division games uh, in week one. In fact, the, the North Division of the NFC, all, all four teams play against each other. So Detroit has Chicago, Minnesota has Green Bay. Um, the second week... Uh, the Packers actually play, um, they play Detroit. So they have two division games right off the bat where the Bears are scheduled to play the Giants. Uh, what they can do to cancel, they can, they can postpone those games to later in the season. They would postpone week one to basically what would be week 18. So they would push back the playoffs back a week, eliminate the week between the, the conference championship games and the Super Bowl, so you still have that game. The week two matchups, every team that plays against each other shares the same bye week. So now you can move that game into those bye weeks. So to give you an example, uh, the Detroit game against Green Bay, they both have week five off. Uh, the Bears and the Giants both have week 11 off. So we can move that, that game to those bye weeks. You're going to eliminate the bye week, but you've also eliminated two weeks in the season. If they have to eliminate weeks three and four, they can do so, but they don't lose one single division game. And each team in the league plays a home and an away game in weeks three and four. So you can literally start the game, the season, with week five, and you know what the first game would be? Thursday night, Tampa in Chicago, Tom Brady comes to Soldier Field if that were to be the first game of the year. Uh, so I got you just got to give hats off to the league for being very creative in how they structured the schedule for this year. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely ready for some football. Uh, with, with any luck, we'll have it happen. And uh, fingers crossed, everybody. Absolutely. Aaron, what do you think about the schedule? I mean, sounds good. <laughs> Again, I just think it's so fluid. Um, I don't, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't. I don't want to get too caught up on any idea of when anything is going to start. You know, like I, I sort of feel like. I'll believe it when I see it, <laughs> you know, like when, when that first kickoff starts, we'll know it's beginning. But other than that, I think it's kind of foolish to get too, too caught up in any one idea of how it's going to go. I, I think it's great that they're c coming up with contingencies, um, you know, but we, we just don't know, um, you know, so it's, uh, it, I can't. I can't really say that I'm, you know, too caught up on any one thing. Well, hopefully, we'll find out more about the preseason uh, tomorrow. Obviously, we are airing. We're recording this on Wednesday evening, and uh, as uh, both Lester and Aaron have been talking about, 
things are fluid. You know, we, we have learned that the plan currently is to eliminate weeks one and weeks four of the preseason, which would leave us with weeks two and three. Um, and then they would take a two-week break uh, before the, the, the regular season. So let's talk about, for, for a moment, who those opponents would be if, in fact, the Bears do play uh, just weeks two and three in the preseason. So in week, what would be now the, the first preseason game, they would be traveling to Denver uh, to, play, to play the Broncos. The Bears were actually scheduled to leave early to go and work out, to have joint workouts with the Broncos before that game. But, of course, the league came out and said that's not going to happen. So that, uh, that part has been, has been removed. Uh, and then the warm-up game, what a better warm-up to, to have but for the Bears to be playing San Francisco, the, you know, the NFC champion San Francisco 49ers comes to Chicago. And I, I got to tell you, um, you know, I've been to preseason games in each of the last two years. I was, I was at the, the game with they destroyed Kansas city uh, in week three of 18. And I was at the first preseason game last year when they played, uh, I believe it was Carolina. Uh, and of course, you know, the, the stands are half full. And I, I got to tell you, if, if, if attendance restrictions are, are lifted uh, by the end of August, uh, can, Lester, can you imagine a, a preseason game with about 50,000 people? Because if by chance uh, fans are allowed into the stadium, they're, you're, you're going to have 50,000 people packed in to see that game. Yeah, if, if they're allowed to be rocking, but you know, but I, I'm not sure if that's going to happen. I mean, there's even some been some talk where the NFL may may make fans sign a waiver before they go to games. So I mean, yeah. I mean, if that's the case, I mean, for, for me, I, I mean, I, I I rarely go to games anyway. Um, but if that was the case, there's no way I'm going to a game. If I'm going to sign a waiver for it. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it'll it'll definitely be interesting. Aaron, anything before we let uh, Lester. Uh, off the hook this evening. No, um, you know, just uh, what did you think? Uh, what did you think about the whole Cam Newton uh, flare up there uh, with him getting signed? You know, I think it, it, we were I'm hoping was hoping that maybe the only other quarterback Mitch was going to have to worry about was uh, was Nick Foles. But now it seems like Bears fans are going to be watching Cam Newton and uh, Teddy Bridgewater and you know it's the the same old uh, song of, of uh, you know second guessing what did you what did you make of, of that signing and and what do you think uh, you know about what the Patriots did I mean I, I was in, in the cam train for the Bears I thought it would have been great to see the Bears go after him obviously mm. with the medicals it's, it's it's really tough for them to make that commitment to him but you know, I mean, he, he waited out, he waited out the market and he, the money is not, uh, you know, I'm sure the money's not what he wanted, but at this point in the game, you know, he just wants to get on the field and he's, he's, he's going to be their starter. I mean, he's, he has a talent. If he's healthy, you know, he, he should bring the Patriots, you know, what they need. It's going to be a different kind of offense there, but I think it should be fun to watch. And, and if you, if you feel like just the, the coaching aspect of football and, and you're a fan of a guy like Bill Belichick and you want to see what he does with, with the whole scheme, you know, I'm going to be looking forward to seeing how they run the whole thing with Cam Newton. Yeah, I was, I mean, it's hard for me because I don't root for the Patriots. And traditionally, I also don't root for any Boston area sports. But I, I'm finding my, I'm finding myself having a hard time not rooting for Cam Newton um, right now. So it's going to be, it's going to be tough uh, for me, you know, because I do want to see him do well. I don't, I don't think that for whatever reason people are sort of viewing him correctly in terms of his ability and where he's at in his career. And, you know, it's sort of funny, the same excuses that people make for some players don't seem to apply for him, you know, when people have this whole made up idea that he's this or he's that, and that, you know, and I just don't buy it. And like, you know, so I'm glad that he's getting an opportunity 
Um, and I do think he's, you know, I mean, he's going to prove some people, uh, a lot of people wrong, and he's certainly going to be motivated to do it. Um, you know, and in terms of, you know, it's sort of immaterial, I guess, to the Bears situation, how well he does, but it's hard not to feel like a little bit of another, you know, kind of a gut punch of like, you know, did we really get the best guy that was available? You know, uh, uh, so. Okay. So I, let me let me comment on this one, and and then Lester, I'm gonna I'm gonna see what you you think about it. Cam Newton was not available when the Bears signed, traded for Nick Foles. Um, the day before they they traded for Nick Foles, Cam Newton was given permission by the organization by uh, Carolina to seek a trade, but he was still under contract with the Panthers, was not available as a free agent when the Bears traded for Nick Foles. Whether you think that the that Nick Foles deal, the Bears jumped the gun or paid too much or is the wrong guy or whatever, okay, that's an opinion and everybody's entitled to an opinion. But the facts of the matter are simple that he was not available to be signed by the Bears when the Bears made the trade for Nick Foles, number one. Number number two, Newton was the guy or his agent trying to manufacture a trade. Obviously, there were no takers. Obviously, no takers because he ended up getting cut a, a what, week or 10 days later and of course, then it was, oh, why didn't the Bears wait? Well, this is the middle of March. It was like the March 17th, 18th. The COVID crisis wasn't anywhere near the epidemic portions. It was just two weeks later. But you know, thank God the Bears were proactive with what they did because they got a guy in that is familiar with the system, that is familiar with the coaches, uh, that has been in the Super Bowl and become the M MVP of that Super Bowl, but he has had an up-and-down career as well. Um, you know, I, I like what I've, what I've been hearing from Mitch ever since he came out of hibernation when we learned that he was working out with the likes of Robinson and Komet uh, and Whitehair and Montgomery and Cohen, and the list goes on and on. And then we come to learn he's he's been working out with with a a seasoned quarterback coach that has worked miracles with the likes of of Minshew and and uh, uh, the, the quarterback from Minnesota whose name escapes me right now. Uh, so the guy's got pedigree and he's he's yeah. I for one I can't wait to see what Trubisky looks like when we finally get to see him with pads on, whether it's tape from a, a practice or if it's, if there's going to be a preseason at all, uh, if not, the chances are likely, gentlemen, that Trubisky's going to be the quarterback day one against Detroit if, in fact, the Detroit game is the first game of the season. So, you know, those are the facts. The, we can opine as much as we want, but the, still the fact remains that that Pace was proactive, got somebody in that can be a quarterback that can, you know, and how many times have we said, we don't need Mitch to be Mahomes. We don't need Mitch to be Aaron Rodgers. We just need him to be good enough to be a field manager, to run the offense, score some points, and give the defense a chance to play with the lead and rested, and we're a playoff team. So, uh Lester, I'll give you the last take on that. Yeah, you know, I'm not even sure if the Bears were even in on Cam Newton at all. Um, I mean, there were, there were really, uh, I know there was one report at one point, but, you know, it kind of came from one of those sources where you're not really sure if they're just throwing stuff out there to see what sticks. You know, but but the Bears definitely were looking for quarterback. You know, they were they were definitely in on, on Andy Dalton. You know, I mean, Ryan Pace basically got the guy that his coaching staff wanted. Um, I think they made, made, they made a, a slight push for Dalton. And then they made another push for Foles. Uh, the Foles deal was one that worked for them. And, and like you mentioned, with, with the whole COVID situation, you know, it was key to them to get a guy that knew the scheme already. I mean, Nick Foles has played four seasons um, in, in an Andy Reid-type system. He's coming in. You know, the, 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 the 
the terminology is not exactly the same, but pretty much it's it's, it's really close. The, the concepts are the same. He knows what he's doing. He understands the offense. You know, really good right now. Um, and the battle between him and Trubisky should be a fun one. I mean, I, I really, really do hope that Trubisky can put it all together. And the work with Jeff Christensen really helps you know put him on on a different level. You know, he's put the work in. He's 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 a really hardworking kid. You know, he just has to play aggressive. He can't be tentative like he was last year. He has to trust what he sees, what he sees in front of him. And and if he does that and he comes out and wins the job, so be it. You know, I, I would I'd love to see him do it because he has the upside. But but ultimately, I don't care. May the best man win the job. I want the guy that wins games for the Bears to be quarterback. You made a great point, Lester, and I wanted to go back to that a minute. Um, one one thing that Trubisky did extremely well in in 2018 was you know those first you know 25 or so scripted plays uh, that all offenses run. Uh, they were very efficient in their, their opening drives in, in 18. And for some reason that just didn't happen last year. But when he was playing ball, just playing ball and reacting in, you know, when they were doing up tempos or if it was the last two minutes of the, the half or the last two minutes of the fourth quarter, he, he functioned very well. But it's like you said, when he, when he sits back there and thinks too much, that's when you know, the, you know, what hits the fan and, uh, you know, he misses wide open receivers. Uh, you know, he doesn't read the field well enough, but for some reason, if, if he's, if he's under the gun, uh, in, in a hurry up mode, he seems to operate extremely well. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of been what a lot of people notice about his game and, you know, but, but but like I said, it's 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 the the, the best man needs to win the job. You know, if, if the preseason is completely scrapped out, it's going to be all about what they do in practice, and and it ultimately it's going to come down to whoever the coaching staff feels comfortable with. And I'm, um, I mean, I know Trubisky's going in as as the number one guy, but but honestly, I think it's kind of even right now. So it'll be Trubisky first. They'll, they'll give Foles a shot, and and all things being equal, I think they're going to go with the the veteran. They're going to go with the guy that they think can run the offense more efficiently, and that's probably going to be Foles. Lester, when you talk about um, camp now, of course, uh, there's not going to be any any fans at camp this year. Are they going allowing the press in? If you, what have you heard since uh, you know you've got guys that cover the team uh, at practices? Are, are you guys going to be allowed in to, to watch the practices at all this uh, this year when they hit the camp? You know, they won't credential us since we're uh, non-traditional media, you know, but, but you know, th there's enough guys I know of that actually are, you know, are on the beat. And from what I understand, you know, they're going to be allowed to go there and, and, and be there just like they were for OTA. So, I mean, again, that could change depending on how the whole, whole, whole COVID stuff goes. But as of right now, from what I understand, you know, they are going to have some beat reporters out there covering the, the practice. What should we look forward to uh, in the coming up at Windy City Gridiron that we can uh, give our listeners a little inkling uh, about what to, to look at when uh, when they go to your website? So like I said, you know, right now we got the uh, the they're in the middle of a, of a rivalry week. So we have a few articles coming out about the whole stuff going on with the with the Packers. Um, other stuff going on with uh, with other teams that they're rivals with. Um, I think there's a Khalil Mack article coming out tomorrow. Um, I know Jacob has got some stuff in, in the pipeline as far as some more draft content because he's always working on the draft. And, and of course, you know, we got the, the, the podcast stuff coming up. I think that's scheduled to drop. The next one in the series is Monday. Um, so hopefully everyone has a nice, safe uh, 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 4th of July uh, holiday weekend. And uh, we'll get back to football here so, at some point. Absolutely. Lester Wolfong from Windy City Gridiron has been joining us uh, this uh, tonight's episode of Calvatech Hall. Uh, it's always great to talk to you, Lester. Uh, like I said, you are always welcome as, as well as everybody else on your staff. You guys have been a great, uh, great partner with Calvatech Hall show since, uh, since we started this uh, just a little bit more than a year ago was our first episode. So uh, we appreciate your support, and uh, and personally, uh, you've also been a, a big supporter of our sponsor, TickSplits.com, so uh, we can't thank you enough. Anytime, guys. Keep up the great work. Thank you, sir. We really appreciate it. Have a great night.
Sure. You too. Bye-bye. And we will be right back after a message from our sponsor, TickSplits.com. And uh, we will talk uh, about our history segment. Uh, and uh, tonight's segment is all about the man who invented the middle linebacker position in the NFL, uh, none other than number 61, whose number was retired by the Bears. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer. His name is Bill George, and we're going to talk all about Bill George after we hear from TickSplits.com. I just heard my favorite band is in town. I'd love to get good seats, but everywhere I've looked, the ticket sites have crazy service fees. Haven't you heard of TickSplits? Who? TickSplits. They don't gouge you with crazy fees. The price they advertise is the price you pay, plus a small delivery fee. Never pay service fees again. Go to TixBlitz.com today. TickSplits.com. Guaranteed seats, low prices. That's TickSplits.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. Uh, TickSplits.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. Obviously, there's not many tickets to be had right now. If you purchase tickets from TickSplits in the event got postponed, they wanted us to make sure you were aware that a postponement, uh, those tickets are still good if and when the event gets rescheduled. If your event got canceled, uh, TickSplits' very generous return policy is this. You can either opt to get your money back or you can opt for a future purchase at TickSplits.com with a voucher good for 120% of your purchase price. So if you bought two tickets at $200 a piece, you got $240 back. I'm sorry, $480 back uh, as in a voucher for a future purchase only at TickSplits.com. TickSplits.com has also generously uh, provided this show with two tickets to the Bears-Packers game in Chicago uh, either this year or next year if there's fans allowed. Uh, this year, obviously, we'd want to give them to uh, a, a listener uh, for this season, but you have the choice of opting for the tickets for the 21 game. Uh, but in order to do that, we have to get to 1,000 followers on our TickSplits, so uh, our TickSplits uh, Twitter account. So follow us at Halitech Hall. Tell your friends to follow us at Halitech Hall. Tell your friends when our podcast is out. You can find our podcast on Podbean, on Apple Podcasts, uh, you can go, obviously, to our Halitech Hall Twitter account where we post the, a link to that. We also post it to our Facebook account. So it's just facebook.com slash Halitech Hall. And you go, can go back and listen to any one of all of the previous episodes that have ever been recorded. So, um, Aaron, we're back. And we're going to talk about none other than the guy who invented the middle linebacker position, Bill George. He's a legend. Can't get no two ways about it. Uh, not only was he a legend, he, he was rated by many as one of the toughest to ever play the game, which uh, was, was you know, when you take a look at the, the bears of the 20s and the 30s and the 40s and the 50s, uh, you know, the one adjective that sticks out the most when you talk about bears players is toughness. They they were they were tough. They were rugged. They were mean. Uh, you know, Doug Atkins, you know, which was a teammate of Bill George, was just a mean son of a bitch. Um, and you know, George uh, George uh, Bill George uh, literally epitomizes that toughness on a team that was noted uh, for for their physical play. Yeah, I mean, these are the, some of the toughest guys that ever ever stepped on a football field. You know, um, it's the, you look at him and he just he looks like that's what he was born to do uh, was be a football player. You know, you can you can pull up uh, his profile, of course, on, on Wikipedia, and there's a picture of him uh, in his his uniform, and he's looking like he could just he wants to just stare a hole right through you, and uh, but and that's the way he played. He you know he. He, uh, he gave no quarter. He, he held no quarter. Uh, he was just, just a hell of a ball player. And uh, let's talk a little bit about um, 
the legend of how the the middle linebacker uh, position was born. Um, it was almost inadvertent, but the Bears were playing the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, and, of course, back then the traditional defense was a five-man front with two linebackers uh, just on the other side of the line, and then you had the defensive backs going behind them. Um, Bill George, in a game against the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, their quarterback was was – he was taking a couple of steps back and he was dumping the ball to a receiver directly over Bill George's head. And in the second half of, of the game, he decided to take a couple of steps back from the line, lining up a, a few yards back. And uh, he ended up intercepting a ball that game. And, and of course, uh, that began the 4-3 lineup, which is, to this day, the standard lineup in the NFL. You know, you do have sometimes you have a five-man line, and a lot of teams are using a 3-4 uh, with four linebackers, like the Bears are doing now. But uh, that was, 1954 was the beginning of the 4-3 defense. Yeah, and I mean, back then, you know, I'm certainly not a, a a historian of the game, but you can just watch some of the old film and you you know that it, the offense and the defenses weren't that complex back then. So, you know, something very simple like that could really be very disruptive. And the offenses didn't necessarily have all kinds of different options as to what to do to counteract something like that, you know. Um so it wasn't like they they are now where the where the defense and the offenses are constantly changing and you've got a million different formations and and all these different things. I mean, you know, they they basically, you know, had had a few different formations and, you know, a few different plays. And so, you know, when when a guy like that all of a sudden, you know, is doing something that's so unheard of, not only is it difficult for the other team to stop, but then. It, it, it's just like it is now. It's a copycat league. So, you know, other teams say, well, hey, why can't, you know, why can't we do that? You know, why can't we? Uh, but not everybody has the athletes. I mean, you saw the way Erlacher re revolutionized the linebacker position, and it's pretty similar, you know. And so you've seen, um, you know, some some bits of that be tried by other teams, but there's only certain guys like Brian Erlacher. You're not going to find a guy as big and fast as a guy like Erlacher and just same thing with Bill George, he was unique uh, in his ability, uh, you know, to do that. When you take a look at, at Bill George's life, um, one, one interesting thing that's, that sticks out and it sticks out because so many of, of, of legendary bears were born in the Eastern United States. And, and he's another one that was born of course in, Pennsylvania. It's ironic that we've had so many, many different Bears players. Uh, you know, Ditka was one. Uh, you know, of course, Bill George was another. Uh, so here's here's another, you know, tough SOB born in Pennsylvania. Um, you know, he ended up going to Wake Forest University. Uh, he was drafted by the Bears in, the, believe it or not, it was the second round he was the 23rd overall pick in the draft because they didn't have that many teams back in, in the 50s. Uh, but he went on to have, obviously, a, a storied career. So let's take a look at some of his highlights. Uh, he, was, he was elected to the Pro Bowl every year from 1954 to 1961. So that's eight consecutive years, eight times he was a first-team All-Pro from 55 to 61, and then again in 63. Of course, he was the Bears' middle linebacker on their championship season of 1963. Uh, he was elected to the NFL's 1950s All-Decade team. He's also one of the Bears, obviously, his the 100 greatest Bears of all time. Uh, you know, Dick Butkus ended up his career with 22 interceptions, and uh, you know, when when you take a look at, at Bill George's career, you know he started in the line, but he you know, he ended up being the, a linebacker, and he finished with 18 interceptions. Uh, so ju just a, a hell 
of a ball player. As I mentioned before, he he, uh, uh, he played his college ball at Wake Forest. Uh, Bill George was elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1974. Uh, he actually died uh, at, at the young age of 52. He was involved in a car accident uh, not far from us about halfway between Aaron and, and myself, where we live, he, uh, he died in Rockford uh, from, a, from a car accident. So um, an, another famous bear whose number was retired that, that died in a car accident with Willie Gallimore being, being the other one. Um, in Sports Illustrated, um, I'm trying to find the name, um, but uh, is, is uh, Rick Riley uh, not only chose uh, George as the, you know, the, the best player to ever wear the number 61 in football, but also called him the meanest bear ever. And we had talked, we talked about that uh, in 1999. He was ranked number 49 on the sporting news list of the franchise's long history for his reputation of toughness. Uh, and in 1999, he was ranked uh, uh, on the Sporting News list of one, the 100 greatest football players. So, you know, Bill George is. If you don't know the name, uh, you should because he's he's legendary. Uh, like I said, he he invented the middle linebacker position. And look at the middle linebackers that we've had over the years that we've been blessed with. If we could be as blessed with quarterbacks as we have been blessed with middle linebackers and running backs, uh, you know, we'd probably have 15 Super Bowls, uh, you know, in Bears history. But uh, Bill George, may you rest in peace. One hell of a Bears number 61 is retired. Uh, believe it or not, there's only three other uh, guys we have to go through in this, uh, this segment of, of Bears retired numbers. Uh, so the uh, next one on the list is Bulldog Turner. Uh, then we're going to have Red Grange. And then our last uh, list in Bears retired numbers is none other than Mike Ditka. So, uh, Aaron, uh, have a career. Um, you know, I know that, uh, um, you know, we talk about a lot of history that, of course, you weren't around back then. Uh, I was actually gifted and blessed enough to see Bill George play because I did attend games when I was six years old at Wrigley field. He played with the bears all the way through the 65 season. Although, uh, you know, he passed the torch on to Dick Butkus who started every game at middle linebacker in the 1965 season. Uh, but he, he did make it to the field. He was playing, you know, he played outside land linebacker for a few games uh, before uh, before he retired, he actually played, I think, one final year um, with, I want to say it was the Rams, but uh, I don't have that. I had already clicked off that web page. So, uh, Bill George, there you have it. Uh, Aaron, uh, it's been a tough week trying to figure out what the hell is going on in the sports world. Uh, a few things that happened in Chicago uh, the the city of Chicago is allowing the rooftops at Wrigley Field to be open at 25% capacity. So if you're dying to see a game in person, uh, you can at least go to one of the rooftops and enjoy the game live instead of having to be stuck at home in front of a TV. Um, the, uh, the White Sox announced uh, Andy Mazur will be their radio broadcaster uh, replacing the uh, uh, just recently departed uh, Ed Farmer, who passed away earlier this year. Um, the uh, you know, baseball is getting back to, to a shortened season of 60 games, beginning right about the same time that the, the NFL teams are getting to camp. So um, let's just hope it stays that way because there's been a spike in COVID cases in some states, California was hit hard. In fact, uh, the uh, governor of California has immediately reclosed certain counties, uh, which could have an effect on 
on uh, on baseball being played out there in, in the Los Angeles area. So um, who knows? Next week we might have a whole different tale to discuss when it comes to, to uh, the NFL schedule, whether it's preseason, regular season. And we're just still loaded with so many what-ifs. It's, it's just hard to sit here and, and be happy one moment just to have the, the rug pulled off from underneath us the next. Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm trying to, I'm trying to not to get too, to get my hopes up too much, but at the same time, you don't want to be despondent or, you know, negative about things. So, um, you know, I just kind of try to keep telling myself that uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll come out of this, you know, there's lots of people working on it. Uh, certainly, um, you know, like I said, that the sports leagues are, are, are working really hard at it and they, they want to, they want it to work out and they want it, they want to play. Um, and, you know, we all want to get back to normal. So, um, you know, I think we just uh, keep plugging away and, and uh, see what happens. And, you know, uh, we, we have to trust, uh, trust our own uh, wherewithal and in uh, people's uh, ingenuity to, to, to kind of figure out where to go next. Absolutely. Um, you know, we, we try to schedule guests in advance, but in light of everything that's going on, you know, here at the hall, we, we unfortunately, we're, we're playing it by the seat of our pants as, as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's just, uh, you know, let's just hope that when we're, when we're on seven days uh, from right now, we, we can talk about a ton of good news instead of a ton of what ifs. Yeah, that that would be fine by me. I would be much happier to be uh, to be talking about that than than uh, sort of conjecture and um, all the all the 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 contingencies. Amen. I'd like to thank Lester Wilfong from Windy City Gridiron. Uh, for joining us again. He is uh, uh, a huge uh, fan and advocate of the Halitech Hall Show. I want to thank our, our sponsor, TickSplits.com. Don't forget uh, to get your friends. If, you, if you're a Bear fan, this is one podcast you need to listen to to learn about the history of the greatest franchise in the NFL. Uh, and, uh, of course, I want to thank you know, my, my co-host, and producer of the Halitech Hall Show, the one and only Double A. So, Aaron, it's always a pleasure. We'll uh, look forward to putting on another great show next week. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate everybody's listening. Have a great week. Ice cream.